when Philip asked the question, show us the Father, have I been so long time with you? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The works that I do are not mine, they're my Father's. The words that I speak are not mine, they're my Father's. Believe me, I'm in my Father, and my Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So he came to reveal God to men. And the second thing was to complete the plan of redemption whereby sinful man can come into blessed eternal relationship with God himself. So I said, first of all, we have three things concerning God at the cross there. Redemption, which has to do with sin. I'm repeating what we had in our last lesson. I want to get it very clear in your mind. Redemption, which has to do with sin. Reconciliation, which has to do with the world. And propitiation, which has to do with God. Now, in our last lesson, we took up redemption. Now, this morning, I'd like to take up the other two. Reconciliation and propitiation. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that you... You get these studies in your class on doctrine or theology, you go more into detail than I'm doing. I'm just wanting to give you a glimpse of what it is so that you'll have that assurance of your relationship to the Lord and then we can enjoy the blessed ministry of the Holy Spirit, which we'll come to, I believe, shortly. First of all, this question of reconciliation. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never We now will be dealing with the biblical truth of reconciliation in more detail. Dr. Mitchell makes note of the fact concerning reconciliation that all people have been reconciled by God to God, but not all people have been redeemed. Only the believer in Jesus Christ is redeemed. Romans chapter 5 verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20, and Colossians chapter 1 verses 20 through 22. At the cross, God did nothing in man. But he did do something for man. In fact, as Dr. Mitchell states, God has more in the cross than you and I do. The scriptures reveal the scope of reconciliation that Christ provided, and this is found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. This is the heavens, the earth, and man, all based on the ground of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Let's join Dr. Mitchell in Romans chapter 5, verse 10 on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. In our last lesson, we were taking up when our Lord said it is finished, he did a threefold work. Uh, I'm just speaking specifically of what he did at the cross. There's threefold work with respect to sin, with respect to the world, and with respect to God. In fact, when our Savior came, he came to do special things, two special things. He came for the revelation of God. I've oftentimes said, all we know about God is what we know about the Lord Jesus. No man hath seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who was in the bosom of the Father, he hath shown him forth. That's John 1.18. 
And in John 14, you remember from 9 on to, the, to 10, you have where our Lord said, when Philip asked the question, show us the Father, have I been so long time with you? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The works that I do are not mine, they're my Father's. The words that I speak are not mine, they're my Father's. Believe me, I'm in my Father, and my Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So he came to reveal God to men. And the second thing was to complete the plan of redemption whereby sinful man can come into blessed eternal relationship with God himself. So I said, first of all, we have three things concerning God at the cross there. Redemption, which has to do with sin. I'm repeating what we had in our last lesson. I want to get it very clear in your mind. Redemption, which has to do with sin. Reconciliation, which has to do with the world. And propitiation, which has to do with God. Now, in our last lesson, we took up redemption. Now, this morning, I'd like to take up the other two reconciliation and propitiation. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that you, you get these studies in your class on doctrine or theology. You'll go more into detail than I'm doing. I'm just wanting to give you a glimpse of what it is so that you'll have that assurance of your relationship to the Lord, and then we can enjoy the blessed ministry of the Holy Spirit, which we'll come to, I believe, shortly. First of all, this question of reconciliation, which has to do with the world. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. He made peace for us through the blood of his cross. Some people say are all redeemed. No, all are not redeemed. Only the believer is redeemed. But all are reconciled. The world was reconciled to God. Do you ever stop to think of it? Why didn't God blot the world out? You remember his conclusions, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scriptures had concluded all under sin. God had concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. The whole human race separated from God because of sin. How can a holy God look upon men in their sin? When he has declared the soul that sinneth it shall die, the wages of sin is death, many other scriptures one could quote. Now when Christ died on the cross, he reconciled the world unto himself. Now instead of me quoting these verses, there are three passages I want you to look at. I want you to look first of all to Romans chapter 5. I think it would be well for us to read these scriptures. Romans Chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, having accepted that reconciliation, we shall be saved by his life. But we were reconciled to God when we were enemies. Now, you know, reconciliation means that there's been some enmity between two parties. Man is the offender. God has manifested wonderful grace and love. Man's been the offender. And man couldn't make reconciliation. He's too much of a sinner. So God came into the picture and sent his son to reconcile him when we were his enemies. 
Now it's true. I don't experience that reconciliation without accepting it. But I want that first of all bring in mind when we were enemies. Now so to Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. Instead of what I should read is from verse 13, but I'm not going to. I'm going to, supposing I take, start verse 17, just to pick up the connection. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's only about Paul and his believers. Now, verse 18, and all things out of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This, to wit, this is it, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, not charging unto them their trespasses, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Notice, he reconciled the world to himself, not charging them with trespasses. And has given to you and to me, he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation, to tell people about it. Now when you come to verse 20, now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God's made the, as we shall see. I turn to Colossians chapter 1. I'd like you to see it in your own Bible. Colossians chapter 1. Starting at verse 20. Colossians 1, starting at verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that was sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, seeing you continue in the faith rooted in ground and so on. And I've read those passages. I'm going to use them again, but I want you to see them in your Bible. Uh, sometimes we, we listen and hear the quotation and then it passes your mind. I want to keep it clear in your mind. This question now, pardon me. I don't want to give you a yesterday's message. <laughs> All right. The enmity has been taken away. It's what I'm trying to get into your heart. At the cross, God did nothing in man. But he did something for man. When we take a propitiation, I want to keep this in your mind. God has more in the cross than you do. The amazing thing is what God has. At the cross, God did nothing in man, but he did something for man. Marvelous thing. God is the one who was reconciled us. The change is not on man's part, but on God's part. He could have damned the whole human race in his righteousness, in his holy character. 
but he loved man. And he's made provision for man. Now let me suggest this, the one or two things. I've already mentioned the scriptures, so, but we'll take them down as we're getting along. The position of the world, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which we've been reading, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In Romans 5, 10, we were enemies, far off, without hope, without Christ, without God in the world. We were children of wrath like the rest. Quoting Ephesians 2, by the way. That he loved us and reconciled the world unto himself. Now the ground of reconciliation is the blood of Christ, his work at Calvary. That's why you have Colossians 1.20. He made peace for us through the blood of his cross. Or the other verse in Romans 5.10. When we were enemies, he reconciled us to himself by the death of Jesus Christ. The price paid for that reconciliation was the death of God's precious only beloved son. Keep this in mind. That's why when you read John chapter 16, for example, verse 7, 11 on, from 7 to 11, with the Spirit of God, when he has come, he will reprove the world of, righteous, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come, of sin, because they believe not. Not of sin because they steal, not of sin because they do something. He's not charging men today with their sins. I'm talking about the world now. He's not charging men with their sins. One thing, unbelief. The rejecting of his son, the provision made for them to have peace. And let me again inject here, unbelief persisted in produces hardness. I've, I'm amazed these days when I talk to people about the Savior. Their total indifference and hardness of heart. I've had them laugh at me. As one fellow said, Mitchell, you don't mean that you believe that stuff. They, yes, I sure do. It's transforming. He made peace for me. Wonderful thing. When we come to the question of justification, I'll remind you of a verse in Isaiah 32, 17, which says, the work of righteousness is peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Peace. That's what reconciliation is. Peace has been made. No longer offended. And the ground, as I say, is the work of Christ at the cross. The next thing is the scope of reconciliation. The scope of reconciliation. Now look at that uh, Colossian passage again. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, to him by reconcile all things unto himself, whether it be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, notice the three things, the earth, the heaven, it's going to be reconciled. And you that was sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. The scope of it. The scope of reconciliation touches the heavens and the earth and man. If I were to follow that through, possibly we will a little later on propitiation, the value of it, and the, how it reaches out. And it's experienced the scope of reconciliation, the heavens. 
Let me give you those. I want to give you one, two, three, four, five. Five things. Five people. The heavens are to be reconciled on the ground of the blood of Christ. Colossians 1, 20 and Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23, where the writer says the heavens are going to be reconciled better things by the blood of bulls and of goats, talking about the work of our Savior. And then the earth is to be reconciled. We had this here in Colossians. You have it also in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 23. And there you find where, you remember Paul says in verse 18, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And he goes on to speak of the earth and the creature. They were made subject of vanity, but not willingly. And when God gets through with his program, the redemption of the race, the redemption of the church, pardon me, bring the church to himself, complete redemption, including the body. The earth is included. The creature is included. I don't want to go into that because we're going to prophecy like in, uh, in Isaiah, the lion shall lie down with the lamb, the bear shall play with the kid. Do you remember that? And the child will play with the viper. Nothing to hurt or to mourn all the holy mountain of God. The earth is going to be affected by this reconciliation. One of the prophets says, the last chapter says that the, that the reaper shall over, the, the sower shall overtake the reaper. No more curse. No more weeds to pull out. I won't have a job anyhow on that day <laughs> pulling out weeds. The earth is cursed for man's sake. May I just suggest something to you? Many, many years ago, I wouldn't dare tell you how many before you were born. I, used to, I was ministering up in Saskatchewan, Canada in 1918. That's when all the uh, homesteaders were up there. And when they came into a piece of property, they, came, uh, they were given a quarter section and then they bought a preemption, what they call a preemption for $5 an acre. So they had half a section of, uh, of, of ground. And that was the old prairie wall. There were, there were no, no weeds. It's what he called prairie wall, grass, very fine grass. And then they had to plow up 20 acres the first year. They were obligated to, to plant, I think, 20, either 20 or 40 acres. And would you believe it? By fall, when he came to, to harvest the crop, there'd be weeds. Where'd they come from? The ground is cursed for man's sake. But through the cross of Christ, our Lord's work at the cross will reconcile the world and the earth and the creature. You read that in Romans chapter 8, 19, down through verse about verse 23. If you want to follow it through. I don't want to follow any further into it, except to follow that. All right. And the world, is, we had that in uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 18 and 19. It's not universal salvation, but universal recognition. Philippians chapter 2. You know, when you come to chapter 2, the whole earth is going to be, the universe to be reconciled. Things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. That's, uh, that's Philippians chapter 2, starting in about verse 6 on, where it speaks of the humiliation of our Savior. 
And then God exalted him above all things, and all are going to bow before him, things in heaven and earth and things under the earth. In Colossians 2, you don't have that. Colossians chapter 1, 20 and 20 to 22. You don't have under the earth. You've got the heavens and the earth and the believer. All right. And then you have Jew and Gentile reconciled through the cross. You find that in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting about verse 14, running through 19. For he is our peace who hath made both one, Jew and Gentile, having broken down the middle wall of petition between them, that he might make them one. For we both, Jew and Gentile, have access unto God through Jesus Christ. The only place you find Jew and Gentile having a wonderful time is in Christ. You know that? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. The one place where you find a Jew and a Gentile having a wonderful time is in Christ. He reconciled Jew and Gentile. And then the fifth one, of course, we've already mentioned concerning believers. And I think I would use that Corinthian passion, especially Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath given to us the reconciliation. I say again, God has made it perfect. Now the result of it all, the result of it all, are going to be presented before him. Those who accept this reconciliation, those who accept this peace, that's the believer, is going to stand before God wholly acceptable in his sight. Wonderful thing. Reconciliation experienced by the believer when he accepts the Savior. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he, his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear. 
resting on his goodness. I lose my doubts and fears, though by the path he I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. So until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at death.